back to the Own Your Potential podcast, where you'll hear stories from leaders across the globe about how they've taken control of their career growth and lessons on how you can too. I'm Peter Scherba, and today I'm very excited to be sitting down with Jakeda Akbar, who's the global lead of employer brand and recruitment marketing at Publicis Sapien. Jakeda, very excited to have you on the podcast today. I've been looking forward to sit down with you. Why don't we jump right into it? Can you take us through your career journey leading up to this point? Sure. Thanks for having me on, Peter. Um, So I'm going to take a little bit of a step back. I love starting with my education. Um, So in high school, I took a class in psychology and fell in love with it. I fell in love with how people's minds work. And really the, the draw was we often behave in ways that are illogical. And so I'm like, I wonder why someone does this or that. But I figured, well, that is going to look like graduate school and then my master's degree and a PhD. And because I wanted to cut a line straight through, I was thinking, okay, well, which kind of field can I go in in psychology that will allow me to get there really quickly? And I thought, okay, IO psychology was a hot new topic. So it's like psychology of the workplace. And I was off to the races. So that's like my passion underneath every single move that I've made in my career. It all ties back to my obsession with what motivates people to do what they do, um, whether that be join a club or, you know, be mission driven or the work they do. It's just a passion of mine. Um, So from that standpoint, you know, if we fast forward through college, um, my very first job was actually working with high school students. So I started my career in nonprofit because I figured, okay, this is a really good way for me to cut my teeth in counseling. And I worked with students who were from underserved communities, helping them find their pathway through high school. Oftentimes they were first generation. So a lot of it was, honestly, it was just kind of giving them the permission to go off to school because their parents wanted them to stay close and really working through that process with them. Um, That actually changed my career trajectory. I thought, I'm obsessed with nonprofit. I'm obsessed with doing good. This is what I'm going to do with my life. And I started to head in that direction. So that was like my first career jump. Right. Went and got my graduate degree in that. And to be honest, I got disenchanted a little bit, which is unfortunate because it's still a really good sector. But what I was seeing was that the companies that had really good service delivery models weren't always the ones that were actually getting the funding. And I really wanted to have the biggest impact that I possibly could. And, you know, I just decided to switch from that and take this really interesting leap into nothingness, actually. (laughs) I know that sounds like a weird thing, but I had this opportunity to quit my job and make the decision to make a career pivot. And I was like, you know what? I don't love this. I've done all the right things. And here I am not necessarily certain about where I want to go next. I moved to the Dominican Republic um, at that point, And I spent two years there trying to figure things out. Um, I literally pounded the pavement of the streets of Santo Domingo, going to every single NGO that I could possibly find. And I was like, Hey, I have skills. You don't even have to pay me. I will volunteer to do work with you just so that I could still use my grad degree. And fortunately, one NGO actually was um, a UN agency. I did a contract with them for about three months doing communications. And, you know, after that contract was done, I was like, I have no idea. Um, Ended up falling into this really amazing world of work that was at the time, 
novel. Now everyone works from home, but I was working for a U.S. company that was located in Boston and, you know, essentially um, doing executive recruiting for them. Hmm. And it was a little bit of a departure. I am, I call myself an introvert. So getting on the phone and essentially selling what was working with nonprofit organizations as the executive director. So you're helping babies and you're helping animals and you're help, like, doing all this great work. It was still such a departure from my personality. Um, and I didn't love it. Then over time in that same, you know, kind of functioning company, what I figured out was there was a subset of this that I didn't really know the name of, but come to find out it was recruitment marketing and just kind of got obsessed with the space. And I was like, well, what is this? How can I get into to this part that seems like it's more media and research driven? And I literally just Googled a bunch of like, you know, terminology and then found this term employer brand recruitment marketing. And I was like, all right, that's what I want to do. And I just kept Googling until I found the biggest company that did that work. And, you know, back then LinkedIn wasn't as big as it was now. I just searched through LinkedIn, found someone who was connected and, you know, kind of the rest is history. I got a connection in and then worked my way into one of the biggest companies doing employer brand recruitment marketing. At the time, it was called TMP Worldwide. There's so much to, to unpack there because I think I always love to hear stories of, of reinvention and particularly when it's out, born out of simply finding uh, what what you love to do in the next opportunity. And if it, ne- it if it doesn't necessarily exist in what you're currently doing, right, having the courage to look for it elsewhere. And I think that's the topic that I've explored here, but I love seeing it bubble up. And then for yourself, having it happen in a couple of different ways, um, particularly given that you started off in, in something like nonprofits, where it is very, you know, philanthropic it's it's driven through you know your your purpose is altruistic largely and then so as a result your motivators need to be as well and so you know i i'm very curious to to dive a little bit more into that because i also know that when you work in the nonprofit sector uh and you know i think it obviously does depend on the type of nonprofit and the people you are serving you ultimately deal with a bit of a different uh, cast of characters than you would in a more traditional corporate role, right? Particularly once you get into larger corporate organizations, whether it's consulting or otherwise, um, folks are just different. They have different personalities. They have different approaches to work, different ways of working, right? And I find that for myself, I currently run a much smaller nonprofit organization. It deals with sports, right? And I've talked about that on here before, but. I have to really change the way that I think and communicate and interact with folks in that space who are, you know, almost mutually exclusive from the types of personalities I deal with in my corporate life. So I'm curious if, as you transitioned out of that and you took that leap, did you find a big shift in how you, you know, had to navigate a workplace coming out of the nonprofit sector? Um, interestingly enough, I think one, I hopped into the nonprofit sector because I had always felt like corporate was too stiff for me. And I think what I found without knowing I was looking for in nonprofit was something that felt more like a community. We're right. all pulling towards the same end. We're all making no money whatsoever. We're working crazy hours, but everyone's driven by the purpose of the work. As I moved into other facets of work, 
I think I continued to look for that. So I didn't make the leap into corporate straight away. Even when I was working with the executive search firm, I was still working with an executive search firm that was looking for executives for nonprofit. So I like navigated these spaces that while it became more and more professional, I still tried to stay close to mission-driven type of work so that I wouldn't feel like, okay, now I'm in, I've just gone from an ice bath into, you know, a sauna situation. Um, And so then moving from there into, you know, finally landing in what was more of a corporate environment when I moved into agency, it was difficult. But I always say, I'm like, there's a reason why I'm in the space of employer brand and recruitment marketing and not pure brand and marketing. I couldn't do this work. And so, you know, like just kind of consumer product. This is like, my passion is that at the end of the day, I'm still selling something that is kind of underpinning someone's entire lifestyle, right? Right. Your ability to find the right job means that you are buying a new home, having a baby. Like I think about that facet of the work that I do. What am I um, able to um, kind of like impact in somebody else's life with the type of work that I'm doing. And because that's the space, the people who are also excited about doing the work, it ends up feeling like it's not too much of a departure from mission-driven work because we're still trying to do good in a certain sense. I love that. And I think that's interesting because it's, it's, it's finding your way through larger, more corporate organizations into roles that are much close, more closely baby by nature tied to maybe the purpose of the organization, right? And then there is still that level of altruism because you're not just impacting a business or impacting clients' businesses. You're impacting people on a more human level by pairing exactly. them to the right career opportunity. I think that's really interesting. And then the idea of flexing the marketing skills to to you know, communicate out that those opportunities exist somewhere, again, is a little bit of a different spin than on your more traditional marketing for the purpose of some sort of commercial good or service, which I find really interesting. And I'm curious that, you know, in, in particularly in your journey, as you kind of landed in that, the types of roles that you had from one to the other, right? Were they more of a a straight line, right? In terms of the career progression in that direction, or did you find yourself accruing kind of a broader toolbox of skills uh, that then lent you, you know, or positioned you really well to be now successful in the career in today? Yeah, honestly, to get into this sector, it was a little bit of a being comfortable with taking a step back to go forward. At the point that I got to in my nonprofit career, and I always say I've had three careers at this point, um, I was, you know, directing my own program. I had my own staff. And in order to get into this space, I had to go back to being a project manager. And I was completely comfortable with that because what I needed to learn was the industry. And so when I got into the very first agency, I was relentless about learning everything that I possibly could because I wanted to, you know, move very quickly to get back up to where I was before. So I'm like, all right, well, I was at this place. Now I'm taking a step back. And so what that requires for me is just, okay, how can you learn as fast as you possibly can? You have the skill set. You just need to learn the industry. So I worked in an agency where there was web developers, um, data analysts, um, media marketers, and so forth. And honestly, I just... I would shadow anyone who would let me, right? So right. if they're like, oh, we're doing this thing with web. Okay, can you explain it to me? And and over time, one, it builds camaraderie across functions. But I think what that did was give me 
a better kind of foundation to understand the work. Even as somebody who was working on accounts with large clients, I was able to speak to a lot of the different facets of the work we were doing without having to bring an SME into the door. So it meant that an SME would come in if it was something way above my knowledge set or pay grade, but that instilled confidence for my clients in me and my skill set. So I moved fairly quickly, you know, coming in as a project manager. And my clip was probably about a year, a year and three months to move from that role into an account director role, into digital strategist role, and so forth. So it, I think really going after learning was the way that I moved as quick as I possibly can. And the biggest piece of that was data. The data, like learning the data piece is foundational to every single thing that I do. But again, I think it's because I'm curious about the motivator. So this is just like another way to understand using zeros and ones. Oh, wait, someone came to a career site and they engaged with this content. Oh, well, what does that mean? So then I started to make hypotheses around like why people are taking the behaviors that they do and then flow that back into strategy. I love that, particularly as a you know data professional, right? And working in data strategy. To, to hear when other spaces uh, have, you know, really embraced data as such a, a an accelerator and core tenet of, of whatever the space may be. And in this case, right, we're talking about recruitment marketing, but various different roles, whether you mentioned senior project manager or working in digital strategy, right? Like those things require comfort with data, right? Either whether it's to interpret it or to actually work with it. And I think your ability to, to learn to work with it probably gave you the tools in your, within yourself to to be able to kind of drive a broader impact than if you were reliant on somebody else to do that. But I think that often, um, particularly because over the last decade, data has become such a buzzword, right? Mm-hmm. Across all organizations of any industry, like data is everywhere. Analytics is everywhere, right? I think that it's also a term that drives a lot of anxiety for folks that maybe are not naturally comfortable with numbers or with data. And I think, you know, you've mentioned in a conversation previously, this idea of, you know, shaking up your snow globe and getting uncomfortable when you combine that with like, as you mentioned, your relentless pursuit of learning and curiosity, is that kind of how you are able to wrap your head around developing those skills? Whereas for others, maybe they would just be a source of discomfort or anxiety. Well, you know what? I think it was a different um, discomfort that led me to digging into data. It was getting in front of a client and the client questioning every single like data point. And what does that mean? And what does this thing mean? And that's incorrect. And I was like, okay, I need to learn this and learn this fast. And then that gave me the confidence to walk into the door and say, oh, I know my stuff. So it was more of not wanting to um, kind of not wanting to not have the answers and, you know, be the partner to my clients that were looking for. Um, The shaking up my snow globe was when I hit the moment where I did, I moved up the organization, did digital strategy, and you can get to the place where you're comfortable. There's this really cool quote by David Bowie, and I wish that I could remember it, but, you know, to paraphrase, it's essentially when you feel like you are in the ocean and your feet is just a little bit off the ground, that's where you want to consistently be because it means that you're continuously creating. You're always in a little bit of a place of like discomfort. And I thrive off of that, just not feeling complacent, not feeling like I'm not learning something new. So, you know, shaking up the snow globe is, all right, I've hit this moment. I've done all these things in this company. I have a pretty clear sense of what this is. I learned the industry. I have great relationships with my clients. Um, But then what next, right? I hit this really weird moment where I can't remember how old I was, but I was like, wait, 
I probably have like 40 more years of work ahead of me. And I'm like, is this it? So like, do I just stay here and do this for the next 40 years? Right. And I never thought of it before because, you know, my parents are lifers. My mom's a teacher. She was a teacher, you know, her entire career. And I don't think that anyone before me ever kind of positioned this idea of, well, then what happens when you reach what feels like the pinnacle in your career? And so at that moment, I was like, you know what? There's something else here that I can learn. Let me shake up what I call my snow globe, which is all the pieces that exist right now. And then let's see where they land and see if there's something else that I could be doing. And that's actually what led me to leave agency and go in-house the first time and just work directly with one company doing um, employer brand and candidate attraction. And I was like, okay, this is a little bit of a different model. You've only ever done this work as a consultant on agency side what it would it look like if you're doing it in-house? What are the different skill sets that you pick up and understanding of like blockers and red tape? On the other side, I'm like, why are we moving fast? But once I was in-house, I was like, oh, okay, this is why we weren't moving, why things seem to be, you know, kind of moving slowly. It just gives a different perspective and well round like creates a well-roundedness in terms of, okay, well, this is my approach to work. And then eventually I went back agency side again because you know, again, relentless pursuit of knowledge. I felt like I wasn't moving fast enough. Digital marketing had been exploding and I didn't want to get left behind. I was like, I've been learning so much about this space. Let me go back and see if I can learn some more. No, and I, I, I really admire that. And particularly because with each shaking up of the globe, you have, you know, a very quick rise in your career again. I mean, as you went in-house and into your next agency, I mean, you very quickly went into uh, VP ranks, right? You you kind of took a sidestep to shift into a different area, like from more from strategy to, to insights and innovation. And then once again, ascended the ranks to, to VP. And I would say, you know, objectively in the corporate world, when someone hits VP, that is objectively successful, I would say, right? I think sure. in, in general, right? <laughs> like I think people take that title pretty seriously. I know that titles mean a lot of different things in a lot of different places. Absolutely. That, generally speaking, right? <laughs> So, you know, that is, you know, how do you, uh, there's a level of hunger and maybe you can tie this back also, because I, I would love to go back and hear about that moment where you, you went to the Dominican Republic and kind of, you know, that, that, that hunger to then just go and knock on doors and find opportunities to just do work, right. To continue to yeah. sharpen yourself, like whether it's speaking about your hunger there or the type of hunger that drives you to, you know, switch, shake up the snow globe and once again, accelerate so quickly. How do you keep that, that mentality? How do you keep, keep, you know, the energy to be able to, to move that way? Yeah. Honestly, the, the Dominican Republic thing was, I, I honestly, to do my graduate degree, I was working full-time in nonprofit and going to grad school at night. And so I would be, all day at work, working with young people. I'd go to graduate school at night and then go to the library afterwards to get some work done. I'd probably come home at like maybe two and do it all over again the next day because I put so much of myself into acquiring that degree. It took me three years to complete. I was like, well, I'm not wasting this, right? right? Like I, I need to actually leverage this. I've only been a year out of this degree. If I am not working, then this is going to go, then what was the point of all of it? So I think that lit a fire underneath me when I was in the Dominican Republic to make sure that I could get in with an organization and leverage those skills. I also figured, why not, right? Like, what's the worst that could happen with me taking this path? Um, the continued hunger, actually, the interesting part about that is 
I think there's a there's a mentorship and a manager piece to that. So if I think about the the rise that I made in the agency side, it was partly driven by me, but my manager also saw in me like a bit of a hunger and she and she literally used those words. So she understood what motivated me was the next thing. So she somehow would know, okay, she's hit a little bit of a plateau. I hadn't quite hit the plateau. And then she'd tip me over. So, and not in a bad way, in the best way. So I'd like be moving upward, almost about to hit the plateau. She could see it and she's like, hey, here's another big client. Did you hear about this big client? Let's go in this direction. And I think between my just natural curiosity and passion for continuing to learn and having the right kind of managers and mentors who saw in me this thing, like if she wants it and this is what motivates her, let's keep pushing her. And mm-hmm. also, you know, for me, I think being mindful of where the balance is, because I think being able to speak up and say, which I have in the past, okay, let's, let's hold right here. If we keep pushing, like I'm going to actually tip over. Um, yeah. So I think a combination of those two things, it's never, I don't think for me, at least it's never just my individual. You have to have the team behind you who actually believes in you to push you forward as well. So it's very interesting though, because as you kind of described this, this, um, upwards trajectory of, of kind of just about to hit the plateau and then tipping you over just enough so that way you have another upwards, you know, climb ahead of you. Right. So you keep developing and growing, you know, in a recent conversation, you know, the, the thought was articulated that, only, you know, after only once you learn the job, right, are you now in a position to for, let's say, over the course of the first six to 12 months in a role, you learn the job and you mm-hmm. you become capable at it. But that's not in itself enough to deliver value. From there, it's the subsequent six to 12 months that actually you start to deliver impact because now you're good at the job, you've learned it, and now you can actually make waves, Right. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, I don't know, like, I, I think I understand that and, and it may make sense um, when articulated that way, because I think that, you know, there, there are examples of folks who may get ahead of themselves that like oh, the moment that they have acquired a skill set, they are, they consider themselves maybe now an expert. Now it's on mm-hmm. to the next one. But I also very much resonate with what you've described with this idea of not, you know, getting complacent and constantly wanting the next thing. And I think that that's a, a mindset that a lot of people struggle with satisfying because it's not an easy mindset to live with, right? Um, <laughs> when you're constantly looking for what the next opportunity is. And I think being able to navigate that and find it in your own or, or own organization is, is, is often, you know, a very satisfying thing without having to go elsewhere necessarily to do it. And to your point, I think having a strong mentor or people manager to help facilitate that is important. But what are your thoughts on that? That contrast of like, you know, what you've described, this idea of mm-hmm. the moment you you hit that sort of plateau of comfort and, and capability in a role, immediately finding the next thing versus this idea of, you know, you're only really delivering impact once you hit the competency level. Yeah, I think it might depend on the type of work, right? So a lot of my work in my space is around strategy. And so for me, the push to the next thing is building a deeper tool set that'll allow me to do different types of strategy, right? Right. So it's not a complete departure or shift. And when I think about coming on to the agency, even as a project manager, I feel like I was able to deliver impact fairly quickly without becoming an expert because I had a strategic mindset. So I was able to understand what a problem was, synthesize it, and at least give some some sort of solution and continue to work with, you know, the client to come to a really good spot. So I think it might just depend on the type of work. Um, 
Yeah. So for me, I, and I get it. I also get the perspective of you get really good and then you move on. But I feel like we talk about MVP all the time, right? right. So it's kind of like MVP. And then I keep iterating on the skill sets that I have. And I've never looked at my, for me, a career progression and career growth isn't about the next level up. I am not a linear person when it comes to my career. I'm also, to your point about trying to find that next thing within your company, I believe that's true, but I never set up my career looking for the next role in my company. That's just how I, how I, I'm structured. My mind is structured. I look for the next thing I want to learn. That's my career growth. So if I can continue to find the next thing or the next person to teach me the next thing that I can learn to add to my, my tool belt of things, then I'll stay. And it doesn't matter kind of where the job is, as long as I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm curious about this. I feel like I can learn more in this space. And then I'll go after that. But it, it just happens that my career has moved upward in a linear fashion, but it's gone across and kind of around because I chase the next insight versus the next title. That's very interesting. And I think what is very cool about that in your career is kind of, as you said, is that it, it also has translated as a result of your hunger and, and hard work, right? And, and I guess constant learning in upwards mobility while you chase the next learning, right? And, and chase yep. the impact, which is an interesting thing. And I think there's certainly something to be said for, you know, following the, the continued learning, which will fundamentally, you know, make you better at what you do because it'll broaden your skill set or deepen your skill set, which makes you more effective, which should translate to better results, which should translate to growth, right? So it really is an indirect way of still pursuing the same thing, but maybe with the right motivator, right? Or at least the right motivator for you, if that's- For me, exactly. Me, right? <laughs> yep. And so, you know, what I want to tap into a little bit now is this idea, okay, you worked agency, right? Yep. You went in-house, you understood how that worked. You went back to agency, but away from maybe recruitment marketing and more into kind of uh, strategy, insights, innovation, right? Uh, and now you're back consulting side, but in-house doing the mm -hmm. recruitment marketing piece at a global level, right? right? For an organization that's driving, you know, innovation and disruption through digital and technology. Yeah. Maybe help me understand now, how is this different? This idea of being in-house, but at a consulting firm or an agency where it's almost a collision of your previous worlds, uh, in, right. in one place. And how does that change your role now? Yeah. So it's actually a, a perfect fit. So when I left agency, went in-house and came back to agency, I was still in the recruitment marketing space. It just so happened my previous agency had evolved into a technology company. Right. So coming back in, I went into digital strategy, but on the sales side, because that was another skill set I wanted to pick up. I was like, okay, I get the digital, you know, when I'm, you know, when we have a current client and how we're activating it and setting it up, I want to understand what it looks like when we don't already have the relationship. How do I build right. a relationship, you know, convey the value and make the sale? Um, and so I did that for a while and then quickly got tapped into our, um, our innovation labs team to, because my mindset was around the data, the innovation, all of the storytelling pieces that underline why someone is looking for an opportunity and because of the psychology behind it as well. I always talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I know it's outdated at this point, but it is really foundational to the way that people behave and think. And so that's what I brought. So in addition to just the pure knowledge of digital and tech, 
it was also bringing this humanistic side into the work and having that underpin how we were developing product and new innovative ideas to morph and grow the different platforms that we had, and then sharing those insights with our clients as well. So interestingly enough, my move to PS actually was born out of, and this is, is what it is, as a as a sector, I feel like a lot of companies moved into this space because they were looking for so much tech talent that almost every single company positioned themselves as a technology company. Regardless of if they were finance or healthcare or otherwise, they were all positioning themselves as a technology company because that's the talent they were trying to attract. Um, and for me, again, coming from the psychology humanistic perspective, I'm like, but there's a user on the other side of that. And you're like losing sight of like the purpose of the work. And when I looked at PS and I looked at, you know, just even the positioning of how we talk about digital business transformation, what zoned me in was the people at the heart of how they were talking, how we were talking about the work. And I was like, okay, wait, there's something here. Um, to be able to still do recruitment marketing and employer brand, not lose, you know, kind of my connection with a company that is innovative and tech driven. It kind of combined the two pieces in a way that I wouldn't have even known existed. Um, I probably wouldn't have gone in-house again, but this married all of the things that excite me. I wouldn't feel like, oh, I'm losing touch with how you know digital and tech is transforming because I'm literally sitting in a company where that's the work that we do and we're on the cutting edge of it. And then I also get to develop out the brand and the strategy that attracts people who want to be a part of that journey with us as our world is moving into a space that's increasingly digital and we're already on the trajectory, we've just hit this like massive point where everything's moving very, very quickly. We're in this really amazing moment where I'm excited about, you know, marketing, if you will, but I'm excited about telling our story. I'm excited about getting, you know, potential talent to get excited about what we're doing here and the community and the culture and the people, because I think For a company to position this work from a people-centric lens means that it's a company of people who care about that. And that's a really great space to be in, especially as, you know, the reality is we're in a pandemic and people have become more purpose-driven and purpose-focused as a result of it. So we're in a perfect moment where we were already there. And I think a lot of companies who hadn't been there before, who were more reliant on just the innovation and the tech are actually going to have to like you know, kind of make up and and get to where we are right now because their positioning wasn't the same. That's my theory on it, but I think it's a pretty solid theory. (laughs) No, and I think I agree. And then you touched a little bit on on this idea of culture. And I would Mm -hmm. say that, you know, culture at Publisa Sapien and and all the various versions of it in the last eight and a half years that I've been part of at, at this organization, culture has been something that has kept me here and happy, right? And I'm, you know, as a result also of being client facing and working with a ton of clients as a consultant, I've experienced 30 plus different organizational cultures as I've gone, you know, on site and and done work and engaged with teams. And it always kind of sent me back to the culture that I have in my own organization thinking none of those I would rather spend more time in than Mm -hmm. within my own. And I found it's because it celebrates the individuality of people versus forcing, you know, kind of the assimilation of folks towards like one style of working or one style of being. I'm curious to get your opinion on that, particularly as someone who's passionate about like the humanistic part of it and like the psychology of folks and what makes them tick. You know, do you think that it does in fact have that kind of really 
big impact on how hard people work, how much they commit themselves to their work when they can be their whole selves versus kind of having to conform to a, I don't know, an accepted norm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just the talent market and employers in in general have hit this interesting moment where everyone is now paying attention to what that is and what that means in a way that used to just be a talk track or a check the box. Um, you know, I've said it to, to clients in the past. I'm like, there's so many companies that were built a hundred plus years ago where the culture of the company was more homogeneous. And now, and, and if you think about how cultures are developed, it's developed on the ground floor. So now a hundred years forward, the culture hasn't shifted. You've just added new people in. And so if I think for a really long time, what that required was everyone who wasn't the, a part of the initial development of the culture of those companies had to assimilate to the norm. That's just kind of right. how it works, right? Like if you are from another country, you move to another country, what you try to do is assimilate to the norm because you feel like I don't want to be an outsider. Um, I think we've hit a critical moment um, because of the conversations that are happening right now about DEI that go beyond you know, sexual orientation or ethnicity or culture. And people are thinking broadly about what does it mean to have an individual um, identity and perspective and bring that to the table, you know, inclusive of things like neurodiversity. Um, What I feel in PS and part of the reason why I decided to come to the company is that every single conversation I had on my way to interview to hire, I felt like, oh, okay, there's something about everyone that I'm meeting that they get it. They're individuals, but there's something that kind of connects them to the whole, like there's something about the warmth of the personality that was the tie that binds everyone together. But there was these different perspectives and this diversity of perspectives that I found really fascinating. Um, I think it's important to hit this moment and for companies to be as reflective as they have, because I remember my own self. I mean, I think about even, you know, gosh, 20 years ago, I my name is Jakeda. It's a complicated name to say. And I remember just being like, oh, it's okay. You can call me Jackie. I remember, um, you know, having gotten married and my, my, my ex-husband's last name was Mitchell. And I was like, okay, well, this is going to feel more acceptable than Jakeda Akbar. So I can just be Jakeda Mitchell. So there's all of this like pivoting and shifting to try to fit into the norm that actually sits on top of your head as you're trying to be strategic and work, just ensuring that you're not kind of really so far off from what everyone else is in the room. What I love is that when I look at the next generation, Gen Z, they're completely different. Like I'm, I'm Gen X. And so I've come out of a different culture. They're coming into the workplace with that perspective. This right. is who I am. This is the work that I want to do. And so even if companies aren't developing the infrastructure to get there, the new talent coming in the door is actually just going to propel them forward in a way that they wouldn't expect. And so when I think about my nieces and nephews, when they come into the workplace with equally complicated names, they will just be their complicated names and who they are versus feeling like they have to always constantly have this, you know, shifting from their center top of mind in order to fit into the space where they are. And I think what's really interesting about that is, that it, particularly the the younger generations coming into workplaces are much more much more ready to exit an environment that does not allow for them to be them whole self their whole selves than folks in you know slightly older older generations right I would fall into the millennial generation right myself 
and even from within the people that I've interacted with in my age group, right, or career stages, are not as prepared to leave for the similar reasons that some of these younger folks coming into organizations would. And I think it's a really important mindset shift because this idea of like an environment not being conducive to your growth holistically as an individual and as a professional, right, that you just have to figure that environment out. No, you could just remove yourself from it and find a new one that does, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I think that that's a really interesting shift along with everything else you described. But I'm curious though, because I know we're hopefully, fingers crossed, on the flip side of this pandemic, right? But at the mm-hmm. same time, distributed work, remote work has become the norm in a way that I doubt we'll ever fully come back from, right? This is simply something that will be a hybrid of, of the way that we work going forwards. I personally have observed that a lot of interactions, particularly when they're entirely virtual, if you don't prioritize the human aspect of getting to know the people on the other side of the screen, they can feel transactional, whether it's internally or whether it's with clients or for whomever you're delivering your service to, right, in whatever field or industry you work in. How do you think we navigate that going forward where this kind of hybrid digital aspect of our lives, it's never going to fully go away. If anything, it'll continue to become more and more normal. So how do we... How do we navigate the transactional nature and not lose touch with that broader culture that, or maybe a purpose of an organization that we would normally connect so, so deeply to? Maybe it's harder to do that now, particularly if you even start in an organization fully digital and never really get that kind of drink the Kool-Aid experience in your first couple of months where everyone's kind of celebrating you joining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting one that I'm, I'm constantly not, not pivoting around, but I'm constantly rolling around in my mind. So it, I, I come at it from a couple of lenses. I am an introvert. And for me, I feel like I'm actually building deeper connections with people as a result of virtual work. I've been physically in offices and I would just go get my work done and not really build connections. I actually feel like I'm building deeper connections. So I, I think it isn't necessarily one size fits all. It's the same thing that you're hearing in education. Some kids are excelling like gangbusters with digit with virtual education and some kids are falling behind. So I think it just, it may be that we've shifted something on its head that was working for one subset of people, but not for the other without realizing it, especially as offices had evolved from having your cubicle to being these open floor plans. We heard for a while that people like, well, it's really hard to work. You're wearing headphones. We were creating our own little bubbles for a really long time with just moments of pop. So that's the first part of it. The second facet of it is, I think it's, it's an evolution, right? So what we're trying to do is take all of this real world experience and dump it online in tools that existed and expect it to work. It, that never works, right? It has to be a reimagining of what is it, what does it look like to build community? What I always find so fascinating about just people in general talking about the challenges of working virtually and how do you build community I think to my, again, I think to to Gen Z, to my nieces and nephews, and they will play FIFA with someone in a completely different country. And they're partnering around this goal of like, you know, beating the other team or whatever, 2K, whatever they're playing. And they're on headphones. And I'm like, who's that person you're talking to? Oh, that's X, Y, and Z from, you know, Trinidad, or this is this person from here. Somehow the young people have figured out how to build community around, you know, collaboration towards a shared goal on these virtual platforms. And we've lost sight of that. It's possible. It's just how do we reimagine what work looks like to create communities in those ways? Because 
again, I think in Gen Z, even though they're going to crave a little bit of being in the office, they've figured out a way to build community and camaraderie and collaboration in other facets of their lives. It just, the workforce needs to kind of catch up with, well, how do we make this more engaging in a similar fashion? Interesting. As somebody who engages in, in kind of video games and stuff like that myself, right? I've experience exactly what you're describing in terms of those fully digital relationships where you're collaborating towards a common goal, right? And it's funny to describe it that way in these kind of formal psychological terms, whereas like in the moment, you're just playing a game, right? And you don't think exactly. about it. Right? But that's what makes it so natural, right? Which mm-hmm. is an interesting kind of dichotomy because like work in itself is, you know, by default, something more serious, something more purposeful, what's more stakes, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be, but often it is. Right. But maybe transitioning that sort of mindset that to make it more organic and natural could facilitate that for the broader versus just maybe what you described, this idea that maybe the dynamic is simply flipped and this works better for some than it does for others that previously, you know, were more successful in, in I guess, legacy environments. Can we call being yeah. in an office we, legacy environments? I think so. Well, then also imagine when there was a moment where let's go all the way back. Farming was something that you did and you were in the farm with a bunch of people. We've just moved the way that we work into spaces that are separate from each other. But there was more collaborative work in a previous iteration of what the working world looks like. I don't know if it's necessarily thinking about work as fun, but I do think there's a couple of different or new roles that will come out as a result of this. One will be the person who figures out how to create these kind of collaborations of teams where it is more fun. And, you know, we've moved towards, you know, brainstorming and ideation and all of these things. So does, does that create a different opportunity to just reimagine the way that we're working? Yes, the stakes are high, but if what we're trying to do is build community and, and camaraderie, then let, maybe it just requires this kind of a reimagination of what work actually looks like, which to me is fascinating. Absolutely. I'm curious because I want to just circle back still on this topic, but you mentioned for yourself, particularly, and you classify yourself as an introvert. I struggle to, to believe that, right? Just given the conversations I've had with you. But you mentioned that for yourself, you've actually created maybe or, or built deeper relationships as a result of kind of our remote working situation. Yeah. And, well, maybe I'm curious, are there specific tactics maybe that have contributed to that? Like what has been your mindset that has allowed for that to happen? Because I think for my own experience, just to preface the question, in certain circumstances, yes. But as somebody who very much thrived on, you know, the camaraderie of being in a room together and of solving for an idea and the kind of energy that that created, you know, I have struggled to find the same energy when there's a bunch of us sharing a screen and maybe in a mural, some other digital workspace, right? I, I don't necessarily feel the same, right? And it's obviously still finding success in it and, and making it work. But it, it doesn't feel the same. And so I'm excited mm-hmm. to, to feel that feeling again. But for somebody like you who has found success in building these relationships still in this, I guess, new environment, what is it maybe that you're doing that is helping facilitate that for folks who may be having the same troubles that others uh, might have? Yeah. So, I, I mean, and I, I have been in mural and I do all the things and I'm a physical post-it noter. I have multiple packets of post-it notes at my desk all the time. I think the the forming the bigger bonds or the tighter bonds and connections that I felt actually at Publicis Sapien um, is a result of doing what I probably wouldn't have done in the office, which is I will just ping a colleague and say, hey, can I pick your brain about something? And I end up 
having two hour long conversations that meander from the work to life and this thing we saw on Instagram. And I think, you know, people in physical spaces, we would do that all the time. You just walk up to a colleague and be like, oh, hey, can I run something by you? I'm more likely to do that somehow for some reason in this environment. And it is honestly, it's just the nature of the people who I encountered coming into PS and seeing that they were open. They're rolling up their sleeves. How can I help you? I think because my experience had been, oh, these are folks who are willing to um, be thought partners with me and work through problems with me, even if it isn't associated with the work that they are specifically doing, then it gave me the permission to reach out and just have different conversations with people in my function, outside of my function. And so I find that I'm actually building tighter connections and bonds than when I was in a larger office with a ton of people. Um, I would usually have my headphones on and I'd just be plugging away at work. And my boss and I had the same kind of relationship, but it was literally me, him, and one other guy in our in our labs team. Like We would have that bond, but I didn't have that bond outside of my sphere. The other thing that I'll say on the on the um, the collaboration pieces, I remember sitting through a really amazing presentation that someone outside of our organization came and gave, and it was two two and a half hours long. This was across the entire company, and every single person was engaged. It was lauded as like the best series that we did. He did not use a mural. He got the engagement happening through everybody kind of contributing. He had a whiteboard up and or like a digital whiteboard. And he would put the things up there, almost like a professor style, about what was happening and what people were saying. So it didn't look like each one of us individually having to put a post-it note or a mural post-it note around. And I do think, again, when I think about how roles will continue to evolve and change, Whenever I think of digital and technology and the evolution, I'm always like, ooh, there's going to be a new role and that new role is going to be X that doesn't exist today. There's so many jobs that will exist as a result of what's happening that currently don't exist today. The one that I think will come next is that person who understands how to teach facilitation of meetings in a way that is engaging. If I think about the ability to package what that person did, if he could teach that to companies that would just be amazing. It would change the way that we engage in work and maybe people's enthusiasm for showing up to meetings and what they got out of it. Yeah, I find that very interesting. And it, particularly this idea, because I think learning and development is a field that exists today, but mm-hmm. you know that's one that has had to really adapt and change its approach over the last couple of years, given what we've gone through. But even what you've described, right? Packaging up those types of individual successes and scaling them and teaching them obviously there's an enormous opportunity there. And that's, you know, going to be magnified or exponentially multiplied once we talk about things like the metaverse, right? As big of a buzzword as that is, and who knows what it even <laughs> yeah. takes shape as, right? But as it does take shape, you know, we'll have to figure exactly what you just described out, but yeah. in now these new environments and, and newer environments after that, right? And I find that particularly interesting just because we've already gone through so much change, but the idea that there's significantly more ahead of us is daunting, exciting. I don't know. I can't really decide which one, but some combination. A little column of both. A, a little column B. That's right. But you know, in the spirit of that kind of daunting uh, and exciting nature, I guess you know, as somebody who's always looking for the next thing to learn, what is you know, as we kind of come to a close on this conversation, you're you're in this new role, right? You're 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 transforming our approach to marketing, 
And uh, I guess I'm curious, what is the next thing that as you're doing this well, before you plateau, that you want to learn, right? Uh, to yep. keep you growing and exciting. I'm curious to hear that. Honestly, another reason why I took the, so two things. One, I, at some point when I was ready to shake up my snow globe again, I connected with a career coach and I was like, you know what? I've always been able to figure out what the next thing is that I wanted to go towards or learn. And that was the first moment where I posted, noted a bunch of things, but couldn't work my way to the next. And he made the comment. He was like, you have a lot of runways where you take off and you kind of land and then you run off again. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, all right, let's figure out how we can get you to land and set for a while because mm. it's okay to do that as well. So even though I am the person who is like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? I think the next thing is hitting a moment where I sit still for a while. That's actually a new skill set for me. Like, right. what does it look like to sit still? So what was great about moving into this opportunity, you know, doing employer brand and recruitment marketing for PPC Sapien is that the function isn't fully formed. And so coming in and having the opportunity to roll up my sleeves and build it from the ground floor is a massive undertaking that I think even the learnings of having to do that, working across different teams, thinking about the data infrastructure, how we are um, thinking about the media and planning, thinking about the reporting structure, how are we talking about ROI? All of that is things that I've done before, but it was already in existence, right? So this is me coming in as something is being built. I think I'm just going to hang out with this for a while because it's a big challenge to yeah. like take on, but it's exciting. So this is the thing for me. It's like, I've never had to build something from the ground floor. So yeah, I think the next big challenge is what does it look like to kind of sit still and just grow this over time for a while? What I really, really appreciate about that is that, you know, there's a fundamental shift around away from, and I know you've mentioned in this conversation today that, you know, your career growth is not about the next title, but still shifting away from changing roles and, and I guess, uh, metering growth against shifting in roles and accruing skills to mm -hmm. now, uh, I guess, assessing your growth against the growth of what you are building, right? And now, yep. like you said, you've taken a skill set and experiences and you've now, rather than changing the types of things that you're doing, you're simply changing the context within which you're doing them and the objective you're trying to achieve in doing them. And I think that's yep. really interesting because now okay. the way that you reflect on your growth it's it's different, but it's going to stretch you just the same as maybe doing a different role. Absolutely. It's it's everything realized. So it's all of these different, like if you think about different breadcrumbs, I've picked up all these breadcrumbs along the way that are skill sets and competencies. I've put it into a bag. I've hit a moment now where I'm like, okay, cool. Let's let's see if we can now make something out of this. So you don't need a new skill set. You just need a new venue to then take everything that you've learned and apply it. This is almost like school. So I've learned a bunch of things in school and now I have to apply it in the real world. This is just another simulation of that. This is going to be a silly end to this, but you just told <laughs> me that you, uh, you know, you've been picking up breadcrumbs and putting them to a bag and you want to see what you want to make. It seems like only natural you would make them into some form of loaf of bread. And I'm curious, <laughs> as somebody who loves bread, what sort of loaf are you making? Well, you know what? In fact, I'm not making a loaf of bread. Let me see. What could be a cool? I'm making croutons. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I'm a fan of a brioche. So let's go with brioche. There it is. Wonderful. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, Jukeda, I really appreciated this conversation. I think there's an enormous amount of value for people to walk out of it with. And 
you know, I, I appreciate your time. And I honestly, genuinely look forward to reconnecting with you on this platform again in a while to understand what shape your brioche bun has taken uh, <laughs> since this conversation. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.